How are we doing, Connection Point Church? All right, I do want to uh, welcome you here. Um, if you are a part of our church family, or if this is your first time, or if this is your first time in a little while and you're back, we're excited you're here. But I want to remind us that we are a church family. You did not go to church, you did not come to church, that you are the church. And when you're here, I just want to remind us that we are a family and the people next to you and around you do not have their lives together. They are not perfect, but instead we are here because we are imperfect. We are here because we are all fellow strugglers. And I'm I'm saying this to you because if you're new to this church or or maybe you've been in other church um, situations, you might not be used to actually being interactive into the, the message. I do want to let you know where we're going today is we're going to conclude this by praying for one another, and I just want to give you the heads up a little courtesy. And so if you're a member of this church specifically, um, at the end of this um, message, I'm going to be calling you to pray for people around you because that's what we do as family. And if you are a guest or if this is your first time, if you are here and you have some burden, if you you have a struggle that you are hoping the Lord will just uh, uh, free you from... I'm going to encourage you in that time to let somebody pray for you, okay? And, and that can be weird, but I want you to understand, in our culture, it's not weird. We believe that God is active. We believe that God is working in and through us. And as a family, we care about you enough to get over the awkwardness sometimes and to just pray for one another. And so I just thought I would give you a heads up. At the end of this, we're going to, together as a church family, be praying for, for every single one of us. And we're going to walk out of here, I believe, free and ready to to see what God has for us, excited about this week, knowing that God is going to move. So we're going to begin with a word of prayer and get going, okay? Let's pray. Lord, I pray over the next uh, few minutes as you speak to us through my words, Lord, I pray that it will not be my words, it will be your words on our hearts. Lord, I pray that everybody that walked into here, into this place, with anxiety, with fear, with burdens, with, with struggles that... Maybe they've given up on ever seeing freedom from. Lord, I pray that you will use your word and your spirit to change our hearts today. Lord, I pray as we, as, as we love each other and as we pray for one another and sing together, Lord, I pray you'll do something in, in our hearts that will just open our eyes to the, to the world around us and the opportunities and the peace that you have for us. And Lord, I, walk, I pray that we walk out of this place different than the way we walked in. Lord, I pray that you will free us from our chains, free us from our struggles today. It's in Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. Now, last week at this time, I was on vacation. I went to West Texas, and I always thought of West Texas as flat, like the drive to to Lubbock, and it was never impressive, but I went beyond that, and I went to the mountains in West Texas, and there are mountains, and it was wonderful. And this time last week, I got up at about 6 a.m., 6.30. That's about the time I like to wake up every evening when I'm on vacation. I wake up, I get my Bible, I get my coffee, I go outside, I sit on the porch, and there's a hummingbird feeder with hummingbirds six, seven feet from me. And they're just, as I'm reading my Bible and drinking my coffee, I've got hummingbirds. There are birds of every color out in front of me at these bird feeders out. And, and we're on, at an Airbnb in the, on 25 acres in the middle of West Texas. And a deer comes out. And there are three male deer that are, that are out there. And they look at me and my kids as they wake up. Uh, they come out and see the deer, and they walk to the deer, and the deer don't even leave. The deer just stay there, and they get within three or four feet. 
And, and I'm just thinking to myself, man, it just does not get any better than this. It was like 70 degrees. It was wonderful. And I had this thought, have I had a better morning than this? When was the last time? This has to be a 9 or a 10 on mornings for me, okay? And I thought back to, to January. In January, I had this experience where I was in Egypt, and I, I woke up, I got some coffee, I went down to the beach of the Gulf of Aqaba, and it, it, was, it was beautiful. There was Saudi Arabia on the other side. I could see, I could see Jordan, I could see Israel, and I was in Egypt, and I was reading my Bible with coffee in hand. Both of those are important. And I, it was just peaceful, and I'm reading about uh, Joshua and, 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 or, and how they're moving into to Israel and how Edom, which is across from the, the Gulf from me, and I'm looking at it, how Edom was attacking, and I'm just seeing these events, and I'm looking over it, and it's a crystal clear water, and I think to myself, that might have been better than, uh, that was about the same, that was about a nine on, as far as mornings go, that was a pretty exciting morning, it was a good morning. So I had about a 9 or a 10 in Egypt, about a 9 or a 10 last week. But then I started thinking, you know, yesterday I woke up and I had kind of a, a great morning. I went out and I sat outside on my patio and it was a little cooler than I expected. And we have, uh, my wife had pulled the weeds in, our, or in, the, in the grass in our uh, landscape, or, and we have a small pool, and so that the pool, I can hear the, the water just kind of going, but also we have these yucca plants. It was beautiful. We have hunting, hummingbirds, but there were no hummingbirds. But I'm sitting there looking at my nice landscape, and the kids aren't awake. It's quiet. That's a big part of this, and I have my Bible. I have my coffee. It's quiet. My dog is on my lap, and I'm just sitting there reading my Bible, and I think to myself, man, it might not get any better than this. In fact, if I had to rate it, I would say yesterday morning was about a nine for me. It was just such a great morning of peaceful. Kids slept till eight, which, you know, in like kid years, that's like noon for us adults. That's a lot of time. That's why I get up early, by the way. There's peace in the morning seeing it wake up. And what dawned on me is that the actual joy and peace that I had from these experiences were all about equal. Now, the, the, the scenery changed quite a bit, but the actual joy of just being at peace was the same when I was in an exotic location, when I was out in the middle of the country in nature, or when I was just on an average day in my backyard. I had about the same amount of peace, and it reminds me something that I want to talk about today. That when we talk about joy and peace that we find following Christ, that it's not where you are, it's who you are. And you need to understand this if you're a Christ follower, that the joy and peace you have in life, it's not where you are, it's not the circumstances around you, it is who you are, specifically who Christ is in you. And so today... As we talk about this, it's not lost on me that some of you are thinking right now what I would be thinking if I were you. Hey, Joel, it sounds real great to, you know, be happy when you're in an exotic location or when you're by the pool or when you're on vacation. But me, I don't really feel peace right now because 
I've got a job that is overpowering me, a family situation, that's a marriage that is crushing me. Maybe you don't have a job and that's crushing you. Maybe your circumstances are such that it, it's easy to say, you know what, Joel, it, it's, it's not the same for me because I'm not where you are. But I want to tell you, 20 years ago, if I were up here, and there's a lot of uncertainty around this church there's a, a lot of things that would have given me some anxiety. And, and even in my small group this week, I, I had three different, in the last two days, I've had three different people just give us prayer requests of heavy things. And I, I've been praying for people. And when, when you're going through stuff as a pastor, it, 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 it weighs on me. So I understand that, that there's a time when I would have right now, I would have been saying, you know what? I've got a lot of anxiety. I don't even know how I can get through this. So even if you're here and you think, you know, and I'm not trying to get from an eight to a nine in my peace and joy. I'm trying to get from a one to a two. I'm trying to just see if I can make it to tomorrow. I think that God has a word for you this morning. We're going to pick it up uh, where we left off last week. We've, we're in this series called To the Ends of the Earth, but we're going through the life of Paul. And we're in specifically on his second mission trip. Now, 19 days, we're going on a mission trip. The inventor of mission trips was a man named Paul. You may know him as the Apostle Paul. Um, but Paul is on his second mission trip with a man named Silas. And last week, we learned that he went to the same places he went on his first mission trip. And what happened after that was interesting. Phil did a great job. Is Paul said, hey, this mission trip went well. I've told people about Jesus. I've started some churches. I want to go east. But God told him, no, 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 no. God said, you're not going to go east. You're going to go west. And he tells him to go west through this call. We call it the Macedonian call. He had a vision of a guy saying, hey, Paul, come over here to Greece, to Macedon. Now, I know you know the history of Macedon, the Macedonian history, right? Philip of Macedon conquers the world. He has a son, Alexander the Great. We all know this. This is common knowledge, right? So it's all Greece. Macedon is Greece, okay? Now, Paul gets into Greece, and the thing that's different about Greece is there are no Jewish people, and Paul is a Jewish guy. That's his religion. That's his race. And he gets there, and there are no Jews there. There are None. There are some women who are, are, are Jewish, but they're not married to Jewish men, and they don't even have a synagogue. And so Paul gets there, and he doesn't really even know where to begin. And, and today we're going to pick it up in Acts 16, and, and it's a funny story that's going along with it, okay? He's trying to get his bearings straight. He's trying to get this, where are we even to start to tell people about Jesus? And this girl starts yelling at him, a young girl. And she starts saying out loud, Hey, those guys are servants of the Most High God. They're telling you about salvation. They're telling you how to find heaven. They're telling you how to know God. They're telling you who God is. If you want to be saved, follow those guys. Now, you might be thinking, wow, that never happens to me. What a great thing that, that you get this, this town crier, this billboard to just follow you around if you're trying to do a mission for God. That's how God always works. Well, Paul's reaction to this is a little different. Paul turns around and starts yelling at the girl. In fact, he casts the demon inside of her out so that she can no longer prophesy. Now, every time I've ever read this, I've always thought, that's a weird thing to do. Why not let her yell a little bit? Let, you know, let's stir things up. Let's get the word out that, hey, we're here. Let's you know, get noticed. Why would he do that? Why would he cast out this, this demon? 
Well, I want to just point out a few things. The spirit that was inside of her was not, you know, just ADHD, let's give her some medication. She was able to predict the future, okay? This demon was actually doing stuff that, that medication or just, you know, uh, some essential oils are not going to, a little lavender is not, or my favorite essential oil is Christmas spirit. The fact that they bottled that stuff up, anyway, all the other... That's, that's not the, the solution here, okay? They, 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 this, what's going on in this girl is, is something beyond natural. And so Paul sees this, and he understands the, the spirit in the Bible, it says it's a spirit of divination. In other words, he's predicting the future. The Greek word is a, a Pythian spirit. And with that word Pythian, python, snake, now, to a Jew or the Jewish context, you would think serpent, you would think evil. But in, in Greece, what you would think is quite different. You see, there is a place called the Oracle at Delphi. There's a temple. And in Greek mythology, there was a python that guarded this temple. And in order to get to this temple, Apollos, who was a god, came and he slayed the python. And then he took hold of the oracle at Delphi and the, uh, the, the, the temple. And, he was, and that's how he became uh, really a god. And so, this Pythian spirit, the spirit of the python, was a divine spirit in Greek mythology. They, they would advertise this girl. This is a, a girl who's walking around, and she's got these two slave owners who are advertising her. Now, she really isn't divine, but they're advertising her probably with posters of, hey, the Pythian spirit is inside of her. She is divine. She is, she is uh, magical. And so, when she's prophesying and saying these good things about Paul, it's real easy to get lost the fact that there's a, a divine claim on this girl that is, that is calling people away from who God is. And the other reason that, that probably upsets Paul is you've got these two slave owners who are abusing and taking advantage of a young girl. And apparently that doesn't sit well with Paul. And so Paul frees this girl. He sees her as helpless. He sees her as someone who is not helping him, but someone who is in chains and, and needs to be helped. And so he frees her to where she never, she's no longer controlled by the spirit and, and she's no longer useful to these men. And so that's the context of this bizarre thing of where we pick up. And what happens next is very uh, predictable. We're going to pick it up in uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 20. And it's on page 601 in the Bibles below you, or it'll be on the screens. It says this, And when they brought them to the magistrate, magistrate so they grab Paul and they grab Silas, um, who is Paul's friend, and they take them to the magistrates, to the leaders. These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. Now notice that the charges are not they are casting out demons. It's that they are Jews, which are, there are not a lot of Jews around there. So there's a racial injustice going on here. There is a, uh, um, a component that's similar to when you hear stories of, the, uh, of a, a black man in the 1950s being abused by the police, being uh, unfairly taken. There's laws that say you can't do what's about to happen. But yet the, the culture says you can do this, okay? And what they do is they... They say, disturbing the peace. That's what they get Paul and Silas on. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. Now, the interesting thing is, is Paul comes directly with the idea that I'm not going to ask anyone to become a Jew. I just want to tell them about Jesus. He's not coming as a Jew. He's coming as a Christ follower. 
And the magistrates tore the garments off Paul and Silas, and he gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, he threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Now, having received the order, he, the jailer, put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet to the stocks. And so, I want to point out a couple of things that have happened here. First of all, you have these magistrates, and we don't know their motives. It could be that they're just apathetic to, hey, I'm just trying to keep the peace. you got these guys that are upsetting the, the people. I want to make sure I get voted in next time, and, and you know, elections are coming up, so I'm just going to do whatever they want. We'll beat these guys. We'll try to squash this. And It could be that they hated the fact they were Jews anyway, and they're in on it, and they're, they're mad, but there's an injustice here. And they tell the jailer, and it's important that you understand the jailer was given a command from authority, keep them safe. Because if these men get free, the jailer will be executed. The jailer is in charge and he has to keep them safe. And so what he does is what most people would do. He not only puts them in prison because it's not just a regular prison situation. He puts them in stocks. That is, he binds his feet so they cannot even move within the, the cell. And... They're already beaten and they're already wounded. And we don't know about the jailer. The jailer could have been apathetic. He could have just been like, hey, I'm just doing my job. I'm just going to keep them safe. He could have been angry. Man, I can't stand. I'm going to make it as hard. And he could have made the stocks tight. We don't know his motivation. But we know that you have Paul and Silas sitting in a prison cell, sitting with stocks around their ankle with wounds festering, open wounds that are not being cleaned. And he's in a damp cell. And his back, every time he leans up against the, the back of his seat, his wounds stick to it. And he knows that if he doesn't get out of the situation, the wounds will get infected and probably kill him. This is not a good thing. And so I just want to ask you, if you were Paul and Silas, where would you go? What would you do? Because I'd be tempted to sit there and think through how I got in this situation. You know, I was many years ago just walking along, doing minding my own business, and then I, I became a Christ follower. Jesus entered my life, and I became a Christian, and it was, it was just wonderful, and, and a lot of things in my heart changed, but that was years ago. You know, I don't really walk the same as I used to. I don't remember all of the feelings I had back then. Now, if I'm Paul, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? been to church every week. I've gone to the ends of the earth. No one else has gone as far as Paul has gone. I've gone all the way to, to Greece. And the only reason I'm in Greece is because I didn't even want to come to Greece. I had a vision. God told me to come. And, and I didn't even know if it was God, but I said, I'm going to go. And so I went, no one else went. I went and I, here I am in Greece. And then I see a girl and she needs help. She needs freedom from us. And I, in obedience, say, you know what? Jesus, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And I cast that demon out. Did the right thing. In fact, every single step I've taken, I tried to make the right decisions. I tried to be obedient to God. I tried to, to do good and do exactly what I was supposed to do. And where did it lead? I'm probably going to die in this cell. If the cell doesn't get me, the wounds probably will. What would you do if you're in that cell? 
Because it's not lost on me that many of us, when it comes to following Christ, we like to follow Christ when the adventure is in front of us. But if we're in the prison cell, it's very, very easy to say, you know what, God? I tried. I tried. I tried to do what you want to do, but I can't go any further. I'm done. I cannot do anything else because you didn't show up. I tried to be obedient. I did my part. I tried to forgive them, but they, they went away anyway. They left me anyway. I tried to be the bigger man, but the relationship fell apart anyway. You know what, God, I've tried to tell people about Jesus, but now my, my job is falling apart. Now my relationships, I tried to do everything right, and look at where I'm at. Look at where it led me. It's real tempting for us to look at our circumstances, especially when our circumstances are a prison cell or when you're wounded and say, where is God now? Some of us are saying, you know what, I don't even need my prison cell open. I just wish that God would clean the wounds so that I could be okay right now. You know, I'm not expecting everything. I don't need to win the lottery. I just need to be able to breathe a little bit so that I can, so that I can just think for a second. Some of us are so crushed right now. And we feel like we're in prison and we feel like God has abandoned us. And we feel like we were sold a, 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 a bad deal that a bait and switch has occurred. We feel like when we accepted Christ, it was not supposed to be like this. So what would you be? Would you say, I'm innocent. I can't do anything else. I'm done. Maybe that's where you get to the point where a lot of us get when we start making the bargains, right? Hey, God, if you would free me, if you would get me out of this cell, God, I will start giving more. I will go and serve the homeless. I'm going to start. I'm going to do great things if you'll fix my situation now. I want to remind you that this has always been the default mentality of, of Christians. You know, even the Jewish people who were, were prophesied about a Messiah, they thought somebody was going to come and free them from the Roman Empire that their circumstances would change. And that's why many of them missed Jesus because the promises of Jesus were not that he was going to throw off the chains of Rome. It's that he was going to connect you to God and that you were going to have a new relationship and you were going to get set free spiritually before he ever touched your circumstances. We hear things like Jesus uh, is going to set the prisoners free or he's going to seek and save the lost, all of which he said. But I want to remind you what he said to the disciples right before he went to the cross. He says, take heart. In this world, you will have many troubles, but I have overcome the world. He looked at his disciples when things were going well, and he says, unless you take up your cross, you go to the cross like I'm going. Unless you suffer like I'm going, you will not be my disciples. The call of a Christian was never that our circumstances would be fantastic, but it was that you would be set free. So what would you do if you're Paul and Silas in that cell, unjustly in that cell, probably facing a life sentence one way or the other because of these wounds, and who knows what these crazy magistrates that have already broken the law are going to do to you? Well, the good thing is, you don't have to wonder what, you would, what they would do because it tells us what they would do. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying 
and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. You'll never make sense of a story like this unless you get this key idea. Paul and Silas have already been set free. And you need to know in their hearts when they're singing, and I don't know what psalm they're singing, but they're singing psalms to God. They're, they're not angry. They're not praying, God, open this door so I can run out. And I'll tell you, I'll show you that in just a second. I started thinking of what psalm they might be. And a couple came to mind. This is uh, Psalm 42. This is what David, uh, this is one of the things that, uh, I'm sorry, the sons of Korah said. They said, my tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Have you ever felt like that? Maybe Paul was, was continuing in this psalm when he says, Why are you downcast, my soul? Why are you in turmoil? Hope in God, for I shall praise him. God is my salvation. My soul is downcast within me, but I remember you. You know, I personally like to think Paul was uh, singing the, psalm, the 40th psalm. I like to think of it, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined and heard my cry. Now, the reason I like to think Paul was singing this song is because you two did a version of it, and I picture Paul singing you two in prison. That's totally different for you, I know. But this is what the 40th Psalm says. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined and heard my cry. He drew me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and made my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth and a song of praise to our God so that many will see and many will put their trust in the Lord. I'm going to skip over to verse 11. As you, Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love, your faithfulness will preserve forever. For my evils encompass around me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me. My sins have overtaken me. I cannot see. They are more than the hairs on my head. My heart fails. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those who put to me to shame, let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back who brought dishonor to delight my hurt. Let those who are, be appalled who brought, shame, brought their shame, who said to me, aha, aha. But many who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation continually say, Great is the Lord. For me, I am poor, I am needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help, my deliverer. Do not delay, O Lord. When Paul is in prison, he has already been set free. And that's something that if you're a Christ follower and you've had the spirit of God inside of you, it's something that is hard to explain to anyone else. How you can sing as if you're already free. How you can, you can pray for others so that they, the only reason he's, he's singing and praying, when he's praying, he's praying so that they can hear him. What you don't understand is when you have this calling that Paul has, this peace inside of you that God is in control of all things, you know you'll never reach the prisoners unless you are willing to go into the prison. And some of us, we're in our circumstances and we can't see the fact that there are hurting people around us 
that God has, has supernaturally put us in a situation in which the way we suffer is going to bring meaning and, and, and highlight the power of what God could do in their life. But some of us aren't willing to stay a second in our own suffering, to go our own journey through a prison cell. We simply pray, God, if you'll kick open these doors so that I can finally be set free. Paul has already been set free. Now what happens next is what we think a Bible story is supposed to happen, but it doesn't, it's not the point. The point you have to understand is he's already been set free. When you're in Christ, you have already been set free. It says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken and immediately the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer woke, he saw the prison doors were open and he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. He's got the knife to his throat. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and he rushed in, trembling. He fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Let me ask you, who is in prison here? You have the jailer who can walk out at any time, can go anywhere he wants. The people that you see every day that you assume, man, that's the life. If I'm in a prison cell, I'm tempted to say, man, I'd rather be the jailer than the guy in jail. But who's in prison here? The jailer comes and he gets down on his knees. Paul, what must I do to be saved? Now, in 19 days, we're going on a mission trip, and one of the things we tell everybody on a mission trip is anytime you're about to share Christ or you share, tell somebody about Jesus, the first thing you need to do is go get their family. We call it uh, their oikos map. You need to make sure that it's not just them, that you train them to teach their... That's the first thing Paul does. You know, he, it, We're doing the same thing now that he did. He goes and he says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And then... He spoke a word to the Lord and all who were in his house. So get this. It says, he took them the same hour out of the night and he washed their wounds. Everybody say, he washed their wounds. He washed their wounds. Who washed the wounds? The jailer washed the wounds of Paul. That's an important note when you think about where Paul was a few moments before this. Now it says, he was baptized at once, he and all his family, and, he, and then he brought them to his house. He set food before them, and he rejoiced along with them, him and his entire household, so that he had, that he had believed in God. What a picture we have, a jailer whose life is on the line if these men escape, and he takes them out after they tell him about Jesus, and he sets them free, and what do they not do? They don't run, they sit and they eat with him. And then, later in the story, they actually go back to the jail. And Paul and Silas walk back to the jail with the jailer. It's so easy for us to be looking at our circumstances and say, man, I'm in prison. But if you're a Christ follower, you have to understand, you are never a prisoner. You are free in Christ. If you are a, a, a prisoner, you're going to think different. You're going to think that this jail is unfair. I shouldn't be in this situation. This should never have happened to me. I tried to do it all right, and I see all these people who are trying to do it right. But if you're a Christ follower, you know, hey, I've rebelled against God my whole life. 
I've claimed to be good, and in my heart I know I have not been good. But you know what? God loved me. God sent his son to suffer for me and die for me, and Jesus Christ has forgiven me. And because of that, it doesn't matter where I'm at, I am free in Christ. If if you have the prison mindset, it's easy to say, you know what? It's not fair that I'm going to die here with the infections and the wounds all over me. And why should I have all of this? The people that beat me, that's who should have this. But if you are free in Christ, you know what? The God I serve can not only kick open these doors, he can make my enemy clean my wounds. The power of my God is so impressive that I have no fear even sitting in that jail. You know what? A prisoner will sit there and say, there's no hope in this situation. I have no purpose. There's nothing I can do. But when you're free in Christ, you can be in the worst situation of your life singing praises, knowing that God is in control of all things. You can pray for the prisoners next to you knowing they're not free. You can pray for the jailer knowing when these doors kick open, a prisoner runs out. But when you're free in Christ and your circumstances get a little better, you look for the people who were just like you once they were in prison, no matter where they were. And you can go to that jailer and say, hey, I got a message for you. I've been a prisoner too. My hope for you, my hope for us today is that whatever you think you brought in in your circumstances, whatever prison cell you feel like is unfair has been put around you, maybe it's your family. Maybe you've got some relationships that are broken and you say to yourself, I've done everything I can do, God. Why is this happening to me? You've abandoned me. Maybe it's your job. We've got some people who are going through some rough times in their jobs and their career. Maybe you don't even know what's next for you. Maybe it's your purpose and you think, God, why does everyone else seem to have everything? I want to remind you that God offers you a freedom that is bigger than your circumstances. It's bigger than than all of the things you're facing because here's the thing. Your biggest problem is not your prison cell. It's not that door that's keeping you locked in these circumstances. Your biggest problem is the fear you have inside. That fear of the future of God, what is going to happen in this situation. We always think it's our circumstances. It's never your circumstances. What you really, the, the anxiety you brought in here, the fear you brought in here, It's internal. It's not external. I promise you, you get that job, you get whatever situation fixed, and and, and, in a week, you'll have something else that's bringing you a little anxiety. When we are in Christ, we don't fear from our circumstances. We know we have a God who has set us free. So what I want to do is I just want us to close like I told we were going to close. Right now, I'm going to do something that's Christians do. I'm going to invite the band up here. And so if you're in the band, come on up here. And I'm just going to have Seth play on the piano a little bit. But I want to invite everyone else to stand up as well. Right now, I want everyone to stand. And this is awkward again, because I know we go to church. But you don't go to church. You are the church. You are a child of God. God is working. If you are in Christ, God's spirit is in you. And and there are some of us who walked in here, and maybe we just need a reminder. Maybe you've been sitting in your cell this week. And you've been thinking, I wish I could be free. And you need to be reminded. I've already been set free. Eternity has already been set for me. God has already promised there's a day where every one of my tears will be wiped away. Every care that I have will be cast onto him. Maybe that's what you need to be reminded. So 
Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ. You don't know anything about what we're talking about. Maybe you need somebody just to come and pray for you. That you, maybe you're like that jailer. And you see people that are going through things worse than you. And they seem to have a peace or a joy. And you want that. If that's the case, hey, I'm going to be down front. I would love to come pray with you. I'm not going to preach to you. I'm just going to pray for you. And then there's a, a card that you can fill out in front of you. Let us know. We'll follow up with you later. But right now what I want you to do, if you've come in here as a prisoner, if right now you have circumstances, I want you to be bold and I want you to just raise your hand and say, you know what, it's been hard to worship this morning. I want to encourage you right now, raise your hand if that's you. And I know some of you have been going through some stuff. Raise them high and I want you to keep them, okay? Now I see a few of you and as the band, we've got some up here as well. What I want you to do is raise your hands high and, and, and if you're here and you're a member of this church, I want you right now to move and find one of these people with the hands raised. And I want you to just begin to prepare. I want every one of us right now, I want you to find someone and if you maybe just gather around with, with a group of people and pray for one another. But we're all going to move. We're all going to move. I know it's weird. It's fun being awkward. I'm an awkward pastor. I'm good at awkward. It's a spiritual gift. But we're not going to let somebody who came in here in a prison cell not know that they are free in Christ. And so right now, as the music plays, I just want to encourage you to begin praying out loud for one another. No one's going to hear your prayers because we're all going to be praying together. If you'd like to come forward, I would love to pray for you too. But you don't have to. So right now, I just want to encourage you, if you're a prisoner, open your heart to, to these prayers. And if you are in a place right now where you say, you know what, God has set me free and I'm so thankful, I want you to pray for these people that they'll have the freedom and the peace no matter what they're facing, that they'll know God is with them, even in their prison cell. Let's go ahead. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that we can not go to church, that we can be your church. We don't come here because that's what we have to do. We come here because we know that every one of us was once like that jailer. We may have acted like we were free. We may have acted like we could just run and go and do whatever we wanted to do. But the truth of the matter is, 
we felt like we were in prison. We had relationships that were broken. We had financial strains. We have career. Some of us don't even know the purpose that you have us here, and it just weighs on us. So Lord, I thank you as we come here this morning, you remind us that you have already set us free. Lord, I thank you so much for the words of Paul that you gave to him when he was sitting in a prison cell on death row. Lord, you gave him these words. I'm not speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and facing hunger, of abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Lord, I thank you so much that that promise that you will do all things, it's not a promise that we can do something silly. But it's a promise that in our lowest time, we will have the strength to look to you and to be free in Christ. Lord, I pray for those that are here today that need a relationship with you, that need to know they can be free simply by believing in the power of Jesus on the cross. Lord, I pray that you will move them to take action this week so that they too can be set free. Lord, we thank you and we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.